We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was a good Christmas weekend for the Erickson Whalen Corporation. We break down all the action on week, from week 16 in the fantasy uh, semifinals in many cases here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by No House Advantage. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are super excited to talk this week. Uh, a lot. Hey, didn't get to do it last week. First of all, secondly, there's a lot to talk about. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, everybody. Nick, how was your uh, Christmas? Zero complaints whatsoever. It was fantastic. I was uh, you know, spent most of the weekend up in Green Bay visiting my family. Uh, so you know, it was kind of on site, I guess, for, for a road game for the Packers yesterday, but, uh, you know, in general, still, still got to take in the scenes, um, you know, fantastic football weekend overall. I I know for, for people like you and I, uh, these weekends are, they're, they're always fun, but it's always kind of a battle too, to make sure you're keeping up with everything. Um, you know, obviously we had five NBA games yesterday as well. So, uh, for the most part, you know, didn't get too much pushback from the family for, for having the, the laptop at the table or, you know, kind of peeking at the iPad, as we're opening gifts. Um, so yeah, f- fun football weekend overall, kind of a weird slate going in, you know, all these low totals, but uh, well, a few of those games, I think kind of lived up to exactly what we expected. Uh, looking at you Steelers Raiders. Um, we, we had some really fun games. Yeah, we did. We really did. Um, it, it's always a battle. Um, usually I think like the NBA gets Christmas day. How'd you feel about that? You're an NBA editor. Now you're doing all our football, a yeah. lot of football podcasts as well. Um, I have my opinions. I want to hear yours first, though. Well, it's interesting because, you know, like I, I was talking to, to some family members about this as well. And like, normally this isn't an issue. You know, it's like if Christmas is on a Wednesday, uh, the NFL is not going to play a bunch of games on a Wednesday. So right. I, I think it's a unique situation based on the calendar. I, I don't necessarily think this is the NFL, uh, you know, trying to encroach on the NBA's territory. With that said, I don't think the NFL is scared of the NBA. So anytime that this lines up, you know, if Christmas is on a Saturday, a Sunday, maybe even a Monday, I think this is a trend that we're going to see going forward. And look, the, I mean, the NFL, for the most part, kind of stayed out of the way. You know, they stacked all the games on Saturday, but still put three games on Sunday. To me, you know, when, when the schedule lines up with the calendar, I think that's probably what we'll see going forward. And honestly, I think the NBA is lucky that uh, a couple of those games weren't nearly as big as we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I love watching NFL games. I, I, I did watch 
pretty much every time slot except for Steelers Raiders. Uh, but I have to say, I'm annoyed at the NFL because they filled out every single time slot. I don't think they stayed out of the way at all. I mean, you, you had the full set slate of Saturday games. Sure, they had two in the afternoon, but they were two good ones. Mm-hmm. And then they still had a Saturday night one. Fortunately, it was a crappy game, so I, I could not pay attention but as much. But still, at some point, I have to go to Mass with my kids for Christmas Eve. some point, we're opening presents, seeing family. They filled all three slots on Sunday. They didn't. I feel like they didn't stay out of the way. I think they, they greedily filled up every slot they could. And you know what? I paid attention. It was nice. I could <laughs> ignore Broncos Rams. Um, so did Nathaniel Hackett, which he has all year, but not yes. anymore. Um, and then, you know, Arizona and Tampa Bay, I'm kind of half eyeing it a little bit there, a little bit, you know, a lot of rewatching going on today. A lot of, a lot of that happening. Um, but it's tough. Uh, it's, that's the only thing now, boohoo as a football fan, you know, I've got, I got games in every window. I like it as an analyst, as someone that has to watch it. I don't like it. I need, I need some balance in life. That's the distinction. Yes, is like I, you know, it's a lot of passive football watching on a weekend like this, as opposed to you know the usual, you know, really anchoring down, taking notes on the games, things like that. You, you yeah. can't quite get away with it on Christmas weekend. But yeah, at the end of the day, we could we could say the NFL is being greedy. They're you know they're they're stacking games, they're taking advantage as much as they can. I'm gonna watch no matter what. I'll be open about that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a full on sicko when it comes to watching football. They, For they sure. can put Me football too. at any time. It could be a 3 a.m. kickoff if the Jags are playing. I'm gonna be up watching. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk Jags. Let's do it. Thursday night. This, 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 that could not have gone any better for you. That, I mean, yeah, okay, sure. It would have been nice if Christian Kirk would have scored or ETN would have gotten the end zone. They maybe had it turn one of those field goals into a touchdown. Maybe not try to kick that 45 yarder in the rain at the end of the second quarter or something like that. We're picking nits here. This was a brilliant performance all the way through. It really was. And I will admit it got a little uncomfortable when uh, Chris Streveler came in and clearly the Jaguars had, were, were not prepared to defend uh, the RPO or, or the read option. And the Husky and RPO. Like, he was getting <laughs> anything he wanted for a drive and a half there. And, you know, they converted, converted a couple fourth downs. Uh, Jacksonville had a big stand, uh, you know, near the goal line on a fourth down that it really felt like was it was kind of the last gasp for the New York Jets. But it, it got mildly uncomfortable for a little bit. One Zach Wilson went out of the game. But yeah, I mean, obviously I think the primary takeaway from this game is my goodness, Zach Wilson. I think Jets fans, close watchers of the NFL, this is what's been going on for a while. Nothing that we saw on Thursday night was a shock, but I think to maybe casual observers, uh, fans who watch their team, don't watch the Jets week to week. I think this was kind of his national TV uh, coming out party, but in a negative way. Uh, yeah. He was really exposed. And you know the, the Jets have already come out and clarified on Monday that Mike White is going to start week 17. That's not a shocker. I think that was going to happen no matter what, but man, I mean, it, this really felt like maybe Zach Wilson's last opportunity um, to, to make any sort of positive impression coming out of this season. On the other side, look, Trevor Lawrence was great. 20 of 31, 229. Uh, like you said, not a fantastic day for anybody on that Jags offense other than Evan Ingram, who is now you know pretty solidly the tight end four on the year. Uh, but I, I thought this was a, a genius game plan by the Jaguars who were, were more than happy to throw the ball in bad conditions, but almost every single pass. And, and we were doing the XM show through the first half. Every pass is short. It's direct. You know, it's not traveling more than eight to 10 yards max in the air. And I, I thought it was brilliant because I, I think the yeah. Jets were well equipped to stop the run and Jacksonville really relied on, on quick passes, getting receivers out to block and they executed that plan all night. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, it was transparent, though. Everyone knew you're going to throw to Ingram. You're going to throw to short ones. I actually thought they maybe used Kirk out of the slot a little bit more. He went. Th- he had did have three catches for 22 on six targets, but you knew it was a bad day for Zay Jones. I benched him in one league. Um, after a three-touchdown week, I benched him uh, because I, I knew it was a, a, a bad setup there. Um, even without the weather, it was a bad setup, but then you add in the weather conditions and yeah, but I was forced to start Lawrence. Looks like I might have to again this week, uh, won't be feeling as bad about it against Houston, but although Houston's showing again, some fight defensively again, but Jalen hurts was out. I don't know if he's going to play this week The the Eagles have reason to play. Uh, so he may play or they may, but they just lost Lane Johnson for the rest of the regular season. So we'll see about that. But anyhow, um, yeah, Lawrence continues to imp- improve. He continues to mature. He got the rushing touchdown, which saved his fancy day, along with the 51 rushing yards. So it was a plausible day. I had him in the NFFC. He had like 20 points out of him. I'll take that. Totally comfortable starting Lawrence again next week. I think there's been some rumblings on Jaguars Twitter over the last couple of days, and we'll have to monitor this this week, that you know, do the Jaguars consider – resting starters in, in week 17 just a, a wild question that i never thought we would have to address uh but you know there no matter what happens you know the titans could lose the jaguars could win in week 17 and it's still going to come down to that week 18 showdown for the division uh i don't think we see the jaguars pull back i, 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 I think that's think an they, insane question by the way i think so too because there's still a path to the jaguars losing week 18 and getting in I, I, I don't think you want to spoil that possibility. So the Jaguars could beat the Texans and then lose to the Titans. And look, you would, you would need significant help. You would need, uh, I think you need like the Dolphins to lose out uh, or the Patriots to lose out. Um, you know, the Jets are involved in that. Like, there's a ton of permutations, but there's, there's a non-zero chance that you could lose to Tennessee and still get in if you win in week 17. So I don't really, I don't see a situation in which the Jags are, are mailing this in to, to rest up for this showdown against Tennessee. To, to me, oh, that's kind of wild to even agreed. suggest. And, and, if for no other reason, just to maintain what they've been doing. You don't right. want to, you know, momentum is a real thing in sports. And I, I think it is at least. And you don't want to, you don't want to mess around with that. They're rolling right now. Why change yep. it? You know, yeah, well, Andy also lost to this team already. You know, I think, I think there's yeah. kind of a little bit of a, look, we, we need to prove to ourselves. We could beat this team. You know, they're a two win Texans team. You, you want to continue, like you said, keep that momentum going. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the one situation is like, if you have somebody who's, you know, a true 50, 50 call. And it's like, all right, if it's a playoff game, he's playing, you know, maybe this breaks the tie and you say, okay, yeah, technically, I guess we don't need this game. Um, you know, maybe you could rest up, but other than that, yeah, I don't see them going out of their way. I think that's a situation where you just, you overthink it. And I, the, the benefits to me just don't really outweigh uh, the, the, de- the detriments of potentially losing that momentum. Like you said, I think, you know, a big win over Houston at home, you know, that, that, that just continues to to kind of snowball in a positive way heading into week 18. So I, I yeah. love what I'm seeing from the Jags. The defense, I thought, stepped up in a major way. Um, and we were saying this during the XM show. Like, you can tell when a defense plays Zach Wilson and the Jets. Like, the Jags were licking their chops all night. Yeah. Just, just waiting for the for the interception, waiting for the fumble. Getting mad the when they don't pick a, sh- uh, yeah, a, a throw exactly. off. I mean, exactly. that, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Uh, so, yeah, they get Houston. And Houston, you look at the composite stats, your defensive stats, and you're like, okay, run the ball easily. They're going to be fine. I mean, Derrick Henry still got his against them this past week, but it's not easy right now. Um, the Texans are playing better defense than they have in a long time. They really are. And if you look at our page on Rotowire, they're still dead last in the league in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs. But it, it does, it's starting to seem like that doesn't really 
measure up to, to what we're watching on the field week to week. And, you know, obviously they're, they're playing a kind of uniquely banged up Titans team with Malik Willis. So, you know, maybe it doesn't mean all that much, but I mean, they've played a ton of competitive games over the last couple of months. They, they hung in with Dallas. They hung in with KC. Uh, You get a win over Tennessee. I mean, you're still underdogs in that game. Um, So yeah, I I think all things considered uh, it's been, it's kind of been the season that you would want if you're a Texans fan where you, you have the number one pick locked up. That's all good. Um, and you feel like your team is actually improving as the year goes along. Let's talk some Jets here. They're seven and eight still, same record as the Jaguars. Uh, they're they need they need help looking at the playoff scenarios right now. Uh, they're behind Miami. They're behind New England. I mean, mm-hmm. they 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 got they they get a tie win the tie break on uh, like over Tennessee on common games, I guess. Uh, there, there's a lot of weird things that could happen. The Steelers, they're tied with the Steelers. Steelers are still in this picture, Nick. It's, it's Steelers crazy, are alive. Nick. And Raiders are technically still alive too, uh, but you know they they they're they've got their chances still. Uh, they they got to face Seattle this week, a team that's really kind of faltering in the West. I mean, in the NFC West, so uh, it's a road game. It's a weird time to be going to Seattle, Week 17 for an AFC East team to go to Seattle. But mm-hmm. here we are. Uh, they're going back to Mike White. That offensive line is a problem, though. It's not just. I mean, it is the quarterback. But it's also the offensive line. Strebler was running for his life too yeah. uh, in that game a lot. Uh, the the running backs did nothing. They did they did, did absolutely nothing in the running game. They didn't even try really. Zonovan Knight went for six for negative two. Some of that was his own. Like he'd break a tackle, run backwards, and lose two more yards on top of that. Um, Michael Carter actually saved my bacon in the NFFC primetime. I don't know if he saved it, but he gave me a plausible number five for forty four in the catch in the receiving game. Man, that was huge for me to get those ten points out of him, uh, just because I, I, you know, I couldn't, didn't know if I could start Jeff Wilson. As it turns out, I could, uh, but you know, it's just like it's when you don't really know. Like I'm, I'm hurting at running back. Had a couple injuries, no pickups available. Uh, to get ten points out of him was nice, but they got nothing out of their outside receivers. They're going to get that back presumably this week. You would think so. Yeah, you would. And uh, you're talking to somebody who had Zonovan Knight as his DFS captain uh, on DraftKings oh, on no. Thursday night. So it uh, was, was not a banner night for me there either. Uh, discouraging, for sure, that that the Jets got away from the run as early as they did. I, I think, you know, the, the issues with Zach Wilson and, you know, protecting him and the way that he just kind of seems to move backwards and backwards and backwards in the pocket. To me, that's not surprising. Um, but this was, you know, this was a game where the Jets were trailing throughout technically, but it was never completely out of hand to the point where you say, Oh, we can't run the ball. You know, we, we can't risk running clock. Uh, so I was really surprised uh, that the jets got away from the run as quickly as they did it. Like you said, it felt like they abandoned it like one and a half series into the game. And yeah. that was that um, I, I thought that was an area where they'd be able to exploit Jacksonville. Um, you know, we saw Dewan Smoot go out of this game for the Jags. He tore his Achilles. He's done for the year. This has not been a, a banner Jacksonville run defense. Uh, they were without Trayvon Walker as well. So yeah, I mean, for for as bad as Zach Wilson looked, the fact that they continued to put the ball in his hands as much as they did was was very surprising. Yeah, so we'll see uh, how how they react with White. Apparently, they went to their 14th doctor to clear him. Doctor Nick Rivera of the Simpsons fame uh, cleared him. Said eh, he's got nothing there. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. I, I shouldn't even even thought about trying to make an impersonation there. So moving on, um, you can a lot of different quacks over the years uh, that you could have named. Uh, but yeah, looking at looking at this matchup against Seattle, you got to figure they try to reestablish a run of some sort. Uh, the Seattle has been a run funnel. We know this. Oh, yeah. um, this game means a lot to both teams. Both teams are on the outside looking in reeling, but a win would do wonders for them. 
Yeah, a win for Seattle, independent of any other results, would would boost their playoff chances from uh, about twenty eight percent to forty four percent, according to five thirty eight. So, so okay. massive for for Seattle, obviously massive for the Jets. Um, if the Jets lose this game, I mean they're they're not eliminated, but they're pretty much eliminated. That would bring their playoff chances down to two percent. Wow. Um, and and again, that's independent of other results. So, you know, if, if they were to lose and, you know, the, the, the Patriots beat the dolphins, um, that would maybe, you know, kind of keep, keep them somewhat alive, but, uh, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. Uh, and this is a team that was kind of cruising midway through the year. And look, I, I think nobody was sitting here saying like, are the jets a, a dark horse Super Bowl contender? But I think we, I was like fairly willing to buy in on this defense first team, you know, Mike white coming in, it seems like that injected some optimism and yeah, I mean, coming up short a couple times with a healthy Mike white, uh, and then the Mike White injury appears to have really sunk the Jets at this point. And I mean, it, it's not quite miracle status, but they need significant help now uh, to get that final wild card spot. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. So we'll see uh, what they can do. Uh, but I, it killed, hurt me in State League. I think I'm going to lose my semifinal matchup uh, mm. in part because I'm going against Jonathan Singleton who had 20 tackles yesterday in the loss to the Rams. But goodness, uh, yeah, that was that was a killer. We'll see. I, I, I need. Uh, Buckner to go crazy. Well, uh, well, Michael Pittman does not tonight. So chances of that is pretty slim, but uh, we'll see. Um, all right. Uh, anything else Jets related before we move on? No, no, not too much. I, you know, I think with this game being on Thursday, we can, we can move on to the Saturday, Sunday slate. All right, let's go Saturday. Let's go. Hey, let's keep it happy. Let's go a little who day nation here. Got to talk about the Bengals over the Pats tale of two halves first half. As dominant as I've seen a matchup for the Bengals this year, it's twenty-two nothing. It should have been a lot more. Mm-hmm. Should have been a lot, lot more. Uh, they uh, they they left. Uh, they had two missed extra points. One missed two two missed extra points. Though one of them was reversed on a uh, penalty, and then a missed two-point conversion on that same sequence. A missed field goal and an interception uh, in deep in Pat's territory. Could have been like thirty-one to nothing. Burrow at the half had two hundred and eighty passing yards. He, he was 30, he was 26 to 34 in the first half, just doing whatever they wanted. It was so much fun to watch that offense and, and the defense that the Pats looked horrible. Mac Jones looked terrible in the first half. Second half, completely different story. Bengals sputtered. They threw the pick six. Um, they chickened out third and one. They ran this quarterback sneak that didn't work. And then they punted on fourth and one from like midfield. I, I, I thought they lost the initiative a little bit in this game. Um, they had the the fluke touchdown on the Hail Mary to Jacoby Myers to make it to get it to 22-12. Then they had the lost fumble and then another touchdown. Just hold on to your butts time there for the Bengals. They made it through. Scary uh, ending to the game. Thanks to Ramondre Stevenson's fumble, they were able to get through. But still, weird, weird game. Hey, I made Bengals minus three and a half. My best bet in staff yeah. picks. Never a doubt. At no point yeah. was I sweating it as Ramondre Stevenson is inching closer and closer to the end zone. Uh, no, I, I thought since he was losing this game, I really did. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to grapple with, do I feel better about Cincinnati because they found a way? Um, or, you know, is this just kind of one of those situations where you know, they were kind of due to get tripped up, tough game on the road. I mean, this is what, seven straight wins in a row for Cincinnati. I don't care who you are. That's really tough to do in the NFL. Uh, but you said it, I mean, the first half we were cruising. I I, I was just locking up three and a half. Yeah. thought it was not even going to have to check the second half score. Um, both interceptions by burrow, very uncharacteristic. Uh, just, you know, the second one seemed like a miscommunication. You know, he throws short, both of them goes long. Yeah. And well, I mean, the first one, 
it was it was a little Tua esque, but yeah, again, miscommunication. You know, Burrow's not the type of guy who. No, that was all on Boyd. That was all on Tyler Boyd. He stopped his route. You could see it. Yeah, and maybe he thought that there was a a square. I I think he's he he just avoided contact and stopped running through his route. Yeah, that's what I thought happened. No, I agree. And it, the, the point I was going to make is that I, I think Sorry. Burrow has already reached that point where he gets the benefit of the doubt in any mm-hmm. situation like that. You know, you're watching Tua yesterday and you're thinking, what are you doing, man? Like when Burrow has a throw like that, it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, although he's he's kind of starting to lose that benefit of the doubt. Uh, but anytime there's a pick, you know, you're, you're just waiting for the quote from the receiver after the game to say, oh, yep, that was on me. I ran the ran, I ran the wrong route or I gave him the wrong signal. And that's how I feel with Burrow. It's like he just doesn't make those mistakes. Like something had to have gone wrong communication wise. But yeah, I mean, yeah. the pick six was huge. That's what really let New England back into the game. I mean, you mentioned, you know, they had to settle for a field goal uh, on a long drive in the first half. That was a drive where they had a first and goal from the two, scored a touchdown, was negated by a penalty, ended up getting backed up, had to settle for the field goal there. I mean, the interception, yep. that was picked off in the red zone. I think that was around the, the 10 or the 15-yard line of Correct. New England. So, it, I mean, this easily could have been 31-33 nothing at halftime. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're, you're right. I forgot about the reverse uh, touchdown to mix in there. Uh, Devin Asiasi. Uh, we thought it was going to be a revenge game for him. Instead, he was double agent game uh, where he was, he was messing up and, and benefiting the Pats. Uh, yeah, it, it was a hold away from the play that didn't matter. Wouldn't have, didn't need it. Would have scored without the hold. Uh, still a foul. You got to call it. But it, mm-hmm. it cost cost that. And you know, cost them a lot. Of, it cost them uh, seven points there or four points there. They did get a field goal in that sequence though, at least. So yeah, should have been weird. I mean, and then, you know, the Pats, they, they scored their second touchdown on that hail Mary play. It was third and super long on that one too. Jones just chucked it up, uh, which is by the way, why you always still throw it under pressure and, and under duress, just in case something stupid like that happens. I mean, there, there's a 10% chance, but th- I'm talking, this is a, this is a, this is a, uh, uh, Sorry, uh, a Cleveland uh, comment here, by the way. Don't take the sack on fourth down. Throw it. Doesn't matter if he's not open. Throw it. 100%. Anything can yeah, happen. I, I'm just picturing, you know, vintage Chris Berman. What do you do? Knock it down. Yeah. And they, they did. The Bengals did the right thing. Unfortunately, they knocked it, you know, directly uh, into the receiver's arms. But, uh, yeah, I also thought, like, didn't, didn't Bill Belichick say that Mac Jones couldn't throw it that far? I, I yeah. think we can dispel that myth uh, officially. Yeah, because but... of the Raiders game. That's why they yes. didn't chuck it. They didn't exactly. chuck one there on a tie game. Instead, they ran. They did a drop yeah. play. Now, on, in fairness to Belichick, I think they started that play on their own 40. Yeah. So, and Stevenson actually gained like 20 yards rushing before he started the lateral madness in that one there. A lot of poetic justice that Jacoby Myers scored that touchdown on that play, by the way, too. Um, I was kind of happy for him. Uh, in a way, because Myers was yeah, the goat on that play, and it was a terrible, terrible play. But he kind and he stood up, faced the music. You know, they kind of got put in that situation a little bit. Just to, I think just getting the lateral in the first place, but still. Um, I, and he was coming off a concussion the previous game, so I was happy that he got a little bit of redemption. Um, other things from the Pats: Kendrick Bourne. Where have you been all season? How is he getting like five snaps a game? He was totally in the doghouse and and. and I guess he get, like got in a fight with teammates in training camp. I guess there's something there that I, I mm-hmm. I've been a little lazy. I didn't read all the background on that one there, but he got buried on their depth chart. He's clearly better than other receivers on this team. He he should be getting more, more reps. I agree. I agree. And even in this game, you know, still only played 32 snaps. Uh, it was kind of split in time with Nelson Aguilar as the third guy behind Jacoby Myers uh, and Tyquan Thornton. 
we've been debating this all year. You know, it feels like every week it's like, all right, is this a, was this a Devante Parker week? Is this a Kendrick Bourne week? Is it a Jacoby yeah. Myers week? Uh, you know, I mean, we're even seeing Marcus Jones continue to be involved on offense for new England. It's, it's been just ridiculously frustrating. That's for sure. But yeah, Bourne looked really, really good. I mean, he, he stands out. I, I think physically uh, agility wise, athleticism wise from these other Pats receivers. Yeah. He looked really, really good. Reminder: Stevenson looked really, really bad. GJ Reader might add something to do with that in the Bengals' run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're you know the Pats are are still battling for a playoff spot too. They're currently on the outside looking in at seven and eight, but you know lots of things could happen. They win the tiebreak over ten, uh, Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Um, they I think they win the tiebreak on uh, the Jets also. Uh, yeah, they they beat them both times. So that's right, the punt return game was one of those. Oh, yes. uh, so. Yeah, they've got that as, as a little bit fair. So they we there's still a threat of seeing them again in the playoffs, basically, is what I'm saying. On the Bengals side, they lost Lyle Collins, uh, their right tackle for the season, ACL and MCL. The game did change once he left the game. Uh, right tackle became a problem. It was it was remind it was a reminiscent of last year in the playoffs for the Bengals, where they had a hard time protecting Burrow. Burrow only got sacked twice, but he was under a ton of pressure. He was totally under pressure on the pick six. Um, it made a big, big difference in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you escape this game. If you're Cincinnati, you're still alive for the one seed, but that is a, a big time loss going forward. And, you know, it goes without saying that Lyle Collins will not be back this season. Uh, you mentioned the pick six to put a bow on that. Marcus Jones, by the way, uh, now has a receiving touchdown, a punt return touchdown and a pick six yeah. all this season, all as a rookie, all of more than 40 yards. Uh, the only other player in NFL history to do all three of those things in the course of a career, not just one year is Deion Sanders. So an ultra unique start to Marcus Jones career. Indeed. Indeed. Bengals face Buffalo this week, Monday night game, huge back home for their last two games as part of their nasty schedule tour. Um, and the Pats, meanwhile, uh, who do they have? They they're hosting Miami. Oh, that's huge. Huge game coming up there. Yeah. Massive, massive game. Um, very much looking forward to Buffalo Cincy. Uh, you know, unfortunately Cincinnati, even despite beating the chiefs, they, they do not control their own destiny. As far as that one seed goes, uh, they, they do for the two seed. Um, and, and of course, if Kansas city were to lose one of its next two games, I think the chiefs played Denver and Vegas. So not likely, but possible nah. uh, that Cincinnati, you know, would have a chance if they went out to, to get that one seed by virtue of having the tie break over KC. Yeah. Yep. They, they all play each other, uh, all playing that first place schedule. And uh, it's been fun to watch them be- beat each other up, but uh, mm-hmm. save that's, let's just push that ahead to the playoffs. Let's go. Let's advance yeah, well, two weeks from now, right yeah, now. You want that one seed so bad, right? Because I mean, oh. the, let's say if the two, three is, let's say it's Kansas city and Cincy, mm-hmm. you're most likely playing in the second round. You know, that one seed is really, really important this year, especially. I mean, obviously you, you know, the one seed had, you might run the risk of playing the Jaguars. That's something you want to avoid, but uh, I mean, let me face not, that peril. Yes, yeah. right. Well, I mean, Buffalo, KC, Cincy, two of those three teams are playing each other in round two. Like that, that's know. happening. And that is that is a terrifying proposition, I think, for any of those three. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, friend of Rotowire, Mark Stope, and I were talking about that on Twitter today. It's just, yeah, getting the one seed so huge for so many different reasons. The, yeah. the, the second round matchup and the home field advantage. Like Nobody wants to go to Orchard Park. Nobody wants oh. to. Um, I think the Bengals have a formidable home field. Uh, I think the Chiefs obviously have in the past. Um you, you want to avoid that for sure. So, yeah, huge, huge matchup on Monday night there. All right, let's move on to you hitting this Saturday slate. So many games to talk about. Uh, let's talk about Buffalo. Uh, kind of ugly at times, but final score, very comfortable cover. Uh, not so comfortable at halftime. They're down 10-6 at the half. 
Uh, they really turned it on in the second half because of their running game. Yeah, this for, you know, two and a half to three quarters felt like kind of another classic, well, the Bills are going to win, but it's just not going to be all that convincing type of game. And yeah, they poured it on two late touchdowns, uh, got some stops, you know, forced a, kind of a, a quick four and out by the Bears when they were in desperation mode, uh, and then were able to tack on another short touchdown. So this looks like a dominant performance by the Bills. In some ways it was, I don't want to take anything away from them, but at the same time, like you said, this was a, a close game in the first half. Josh Allen threw two interceptions. Uh, the, you know, the bills were, were not looking super comfortable in the elements in Chicago, but this is kind of what we've come to expect from Buffalo. I mean, they, it feels like every week you, you just kind of come away thinking like, I, I just want to see a little more. And yet yeah. you look up and they've won six in a row. They've won 10 of their last 12 and they've bounced back really nicely from those back-to-back losses against the jets and the Vikings. And look, I, you know, it's been a somewhat soft part of the schedule. And I, I think this game in Cincinnati is going to tell us a lot about where Buffalo really is i think this is yep. kind of their last big statement opportunity before the playoffs but uh yeah nonetheless this is just who the bills are at this point and i, I think we have to accept that yeah exactly um and you know we haven't seen the 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 saturday night game against the dolphins the week before we saw a vintage josh allen performance but for the most part we haven't uh but yeah it's okay you know i guess you you know don't absolutely have to have it. I mean, the wind was a huge factor here. Let's let's not kid ourselves. This was a tough place. You saw the kicks in this game. Uh, the the direct sideways path on the first extra point by Tyler Bass. That was. I remember there was a game the Bears hosted against the Niners. I think it was maybe ten years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. Similar where just no chance on kicks, and that's what it looked like on Bass's first uh, extra point. He made some later, but uh, still a uh, very tough tough place to play yesterday uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it really was. We we knew that would be an issue. Uh, it's an issue ac- across the country, and you know, I think you got to give, got to give teams, especially the, the the road team, even if it's a team like Buffalo that you know is not really out of its element in these situations. You do have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And like you said, the kicking game kind of a disaster. Um, you know, obviously the ball getting blown around uh, if, if you're not putting enough zip on it. So uh, tough to get a real gauge for for you know how much it truly affects teams. But at the end of the day. Buffalo wins this game very comfortably. I was actually on the Bears in staff picks. I thought, you know, it felt pretty good about it in the first half. Kind of felt like it was going very mm-hmm. similarly to uh, last I bet week you felt good Philly. about it. Yeah. I sure did. Yeah. And I, I thought, here we go again. Bears are, are, they're not winning this game. I never entertained that possibility, but I thought, you know, the, they could force Buffalo into enough mistakes. But, you know, in the end, uh, here we are with Chicago, where we, every week it feels like you see a lot of good things from the Bears. They have not won a game since they beat the Patriots. I don't even know what week that was. Like week six, seven. Monday night game too. They were calling for Bailey Zappi. They got him. (laughs) And and then the Bears shut him down too. That was wild. That was wild. That's one of the weirder results of the season. No, no, the weirdest one is still the Colts beating the Chiefs, I think. But still, um, yeah, it it is very weird. Um, We all, it was a unanimous pick on the Bears. We all, we were all on the Bears there. I did horribly in staff picks, by the way. Horribly. Um, Just up and down i just was missing them left it's just missing them all over the place here but um who cares uh anyhow uh <laughs> I, I, like my best bet was the browns so that i'll tell you how i did this week. Uh, well um, do we want to get into that game uh we'll have to at some point um so let's screw it let's go ahead and jump into it actually i've got a question first before we move on talking uh, bears bills G, uh, gr reed asked do you think there's something wrong with Diggs? Last three weeks, he's only scored 6.7, 10.7, and 4.6 points. Valid question. What do you think? 
I, I don't know that there's been any indication that there's anything physically wrong with him. Um, uh, to me, that's probably a, a, a kind of a, a leap that we'd be making based completely on conjecture. Um, you know, snap count was a little bit lower, excuse me, this week than, than in weeks past. Uh, played 44 of a possible 64. Gabe Davis, uh, by comparison, played 56. Um, so it's possible, you know, that he's dealing with a minor issue, but mm-hmm. no, I, I think it's just, you know, kind of a, you know, obviously it's like the worst time of year for him to have this three game run, but most receivers, even the best, you know, go through these stretches throughout the year. Uh, to me, it's just magnified because it's happening during the fantasy playoffs. Sure. And that's kind of what I think too, but two targets, I, I can see the reason. I think it's just, they didn't throw outside a whole lot. Yeah. I, I assure you, he will get more than two targets on Monday night, health permitting. Uh, but I don't think yeah. there, I don't think there's an injury. It doesn't seem like it to me, but it's it's good to raise the question. I mean, it is a frustrating time to see him come up small in the fantasy playoffs. I mean, a lot of people that had Stephon Diggs as their first round pick have probably been knocked out. Um, I know I was in one of my leagues, um, so so it goes. Um, thank, good question there. Let's move on. Let's talk. Let's tackle Deshaun Watson as everybody else did, like the Saints did on the last play of the game, and uh, talk about this game. Horrible offensive performance. Oh. Another one, uh, just just awful. I mean, he got he got you the rushing touchdown, but you know he couldn't even like give you you know net, let Nick Chubb score that. Um, just all the Cleveland players have suffered badly ever since he's taken over at quarterback. Yeah, I, I know. You know, after the game, he talked about you know vowing to to you know establish better uh, you know rapport with with guys like Amari Cooper, who is actually okay in this game given the conditions, six for seventy two, but. Yeah, man, it's been mm-hmm. it's been ugly. We talked about, you know, we were doing our prize picks on Thursday, going under on I think it was like 150 uh Deshaun Watson's yardage. That was a, a pretty easy cash, uh, despite him throwing the ball 31 times yeah. in this game. That's like at least 10 more than I expected. Uh yeah, it was it was really ugly. And, and Cleveland controlled this game early on. They went up 10 nothing, and from then on just could not do anything. Couldn't get stops, couldn't move the ball, uh, went out on downs, two key situations late in this game, had an opportunity to tie, put together an 18-play drive that resulted in no points. Uh, Watson threw a really bad interception earlier in the half. I mean, this is – we should be very clear. This is not a good Saints team. It was a Saints team that is not well-equipped to play in these conditions at Cleveland. Everything pointed to the Browns, you know, being able to just grind out a, a really ugly game. And, yeah, it, it came down to Watson just not playing well. You know, he, he, he did have a uh, – you know, at one point, you know, I think he ran in a touchdown, like looked okay on the ground. That was the one saving grace. But as a thrower, I mean, it's been really, really ugly. Uh, Cleveland really not able to get Nick Chubb going in this game either. Got to 92 yards, but under four yards per carry. Right. Um, I, I just, you know, this, this we, we knew the season was over for Cleveland, but it's it's been hard to find any real positive takeaways, not just from this week, but the last few weeks since Watson took over. Yeah, and they mortgaged a lot of their future to get Watson too. A lot of, a lot of first-round picks. So uh, they've scored three offensive touchdowns in the four weeks that uh, Watson has started so far. Three total, awesome. not per game, three. Uh, and they're they're handing that first round pick this year to Houston, like you said. Yep. And you know, by the end of by the end of week eighteen, that will very likely be a top ten pick. Um, you know, right now it would be number ten or eleven, sitting there at six and nine. But um, what, with some of the other teams that they're tied with have a lot more to play for, uh, so they'll they'll likely be handing in you know maybe the seventh or eighth pick in the draft. You know, on top of this disappointing season. So yeah, they're they're in kind of a similar spot uh, to Denver with Russell Wilson in some ways. Although I, I do feel fairly confident that Watson will improve next year will he ever get back to where he was that i think is fair to question but i I don't i don't think he's just like done as an effective quarterback i i just don't know i mean yeah it's hard to say there's no evidence right now i mean you're going on hope 
uh, hope and a memory. Uh, yep. and, uh, and that's the thing is a couple of years can make a pretty big difference, but yeah, like a regular training camp, a regular preseason, maybe that matters. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think Cleveland's a tough spot for him too. I think it's a tough place to play quarterback. I, I think, you know, the weather is consistently mm-hmm. horrible there. I mean, there, there, there have been game, there have been seasons where you've had two or three games in Cleveland where it's just been, you've been wiped out. You know, the, the possibility of a good offensive game is gets wiped out. There was a, Texans versus Browns game where Watson was the Texans quarterback, where it was a similar scenario there. We were expecting like a ticket to the carnival game. And instead it was like 17, 13, like this one, 17, 10, like this one. Uh, I mean, the, the Browns defense played great. Andy Dalton yeah. threw for 92 stinking yards. Of course he didn't have a lave. He didn't have uh, obviously no Michael Thomas. I uh, didn't have uh, Jarvis Landry. Who's now on IR for the season. Rashid Shahid is your, is your wide receiver. A guy that was a waiver claim. That was, that was it. They had like three receivers. You don't, you know, Keith Kirkwood got targeted a couple of times. Oh, yeah. We're seeing David Johnson get re- meaningful snaps. I, 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 what year is this? First of all, and secondly, what the heck is going on? Is it, I, I guess the weather is so bad there. I mean, you had you had reporters saying outside in the parking lot. I don't see how they're going to th- complete a pass today. And sure enough, I mean, it was just, it was just a horrible, you know, horrible game to watch unless you're just a total aficionado of chaos. Yeah, I mean, this was so ugly uh, on the on the New Orleans side. If you're just kind of box score hunting, uh, you know, Rashid Shahid continues to to look pretty good. I think if you, you know, he had four for forty one, which like weather adjusted is the equivalent of like eight for one twenty uh, in a normal game. So I, I continue to be impressed with him. Feels like they maybe found a, a reasonable playmaker in Shahid. Uh, you know, didn't have sky high expectations for Kamara in this spot, mm-hmm. but I think I think getting the touchdown, getting to seventy six yards. Uh, you know, two catches for 34. That felt like pretty much best case, especially if yeah. you said, hey, Andy Dalton's going to go eight of 15 for 92 yards and a pick. Um, so I think if you ended up starting Camara, which you, you likely did, you feel okay about that. Um, it was a good week for Taysom Hill if you're in a league where you're taking that chance. But yeah, this was as ugly as anticipated. And we, we went under the the 32, which is where that total closed. Indeed. Uh, Saints, get uh, they are still alive somehow in the playoffs here. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild. They still have a chance to win their division despite uh, all that. Just think about those two Tampa games, but they go to new, they go to Philly this week. So it's, it's pretty much all over after this, but nonetheless, it's wild that they're still alive. Uh, Falcons are, 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 have been eliminated, but Tampa Carolina and the saints could all still win the South. Let's move on from this dog of a game. Um, talk a little before we, and before we do that, uh, go on to uh, next thing, all of our podcasts are brought to you by the blue wire network. Here, we're going to play their ad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, thanks for your indulgence on that. Thanks for listening to the Blue Wire Network ads, and thank you guys for hosting us, Blue Wire Network. Uh, Seahawks, Chiefs, uh, 24-10 on this one on the Chiefs. Uh, Seahawks scored late. This was – the game wasn't really ever in doubt. It was 17-3 at halftime. Seattle – Move the ball better than the score indicated, though. Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, yet again, this was you know, we, we talked about this with the Bills, kind of one of those games for the Chiefs where it's hard to fault them. You, know, you, you win, you cover. Uh, it, it was never really in doubt. But at the same time, you're just like, I didn't really feel as good as it should have. Um, right. By the way, this was the, the the Chiefs first cover since all the way back in week 10 against Jacksonville. So, the, you know, it, yeah. the numbers back up what it's felt like as far as them you know underachieving somewhat uh but they got up early in this game you know but we're up 14 nothing then 17 nothing then it's 17 to 3 at the half so at no point did it truly feel like uh that the Seahawks were threatening but didn't see much from the Kansas City offense especially no. in the second half you know started off with with three straight quick punts um you know that, that was an issue early in the game as well that they, they'd scored on their second drive but other than that uh you know surrounded that with three punts so it doesn't really feel like Kansas City is firing on all cylinders and yet uh, as of right now, um, you know, especially if Buffalo were to were to lose to Cincinnati, I mean, Kansas City has a case to to be the inside track to the one seed. I continue to wait for the Pacheco breakout game. I feel like oh. we say this every week. I thought this was going to be it. I really thought this was finally going to be the week that he goes for like one twenty and two scores. And I, I still love how he looks every week. The man runs hard, but the the, the yardage just hasn't really been there. And the you know, volume's I, I, not there. Yeah, I mean, fourteen carries that that's all well and good. Would like to see four to five more for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, 22 for 77 as a team running the ball on a terrible Seattle defense. Uh, to me, that was, that was pretty disappointing. So, um, you know, you, you got your points out of Mahomes, you got your points out of Kelsey. It was still an okay day for Pacheco, but that was about it. And once again, Jarek McKinnon gets in the end zone for Kansas city. So, uh, he continues to produce. Yeah. Three for 31 in the, in the passing game for McKinnon. Otherwise very little. He didn't run well. Pacheco ran okay when he got the ball, but 4.1 yeah. carries. 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, and then, you know, he did get one catch for 32 yards as well. So, I mean, it was so close to being a good day, but if you started him in DFS, you, you lost out because there's so many others that did cash. So, um, yeah, uh, that was tough. Uh, I, I, I still feel like they're throttling back a little bit in these games. Um, but maybe they might have, to, they might necessarily be that, you know, if you think about it, I mean, this might be what they have. I mean, Juju, uh, it didn't help that Kadarius Tony got that one touchdown instead of like one of the uh, the guys we started. But Juju, yeah. three for 27, four targets. That's not your number one. That's not a number one receiver. That's not someone you can count on. 
uh, Juju killed me in, in one league uh, where I, you know, I absolutely needed not even like a huge game, but just an average game from Juju. And now I'm in a position where I think I need like 26 out of Michael Pittman tonight to have mm-hmm. any chance to win the matchup. Uh, not a position that you want to be in, that's for no. sure. Um, but yeah, disappointing day for Juju. I actually, I mean, DK Metcalf, seven for 81. I actually thought this might be a better spot for him. You know, with Seattle trailing, no Tyler Lockett to compete for targets. Marquise Goodwin, who I was all over in DFS, uh, you know, got injured early in this game, didn't end yeah. up doing anything. That was a big time disappointment. And, you know, the one thing I really didn't see coming here, Kenneth Walker, 26 for 107, had some big runs in yep. the second half. Seattle was able to, to really sustain some drives uh, as it tried to claw its way back into this game. Couldn't finish off those drives, of course, but you know, I, we were talking on the radio last week about like, does Kenneth Walker even make it through this game? Or are they playing tricks with the injury report? I actually thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, I, I got to take an L on Kenneth Walker. I thought that he would get limited work. Instead, he yep. got 26 carries. Same here. Uh, no catches. Uh, and he didn't. Oh, no, he did have two catches for negative two. I had to scroll low enough to find him there. Uh, and he didn't get in the end zone, obviously. And that was a big thing. They only got one touchdown the entire game. And it was no offense on his one of his two catches for the game. You mentioned Goodwin being a disappointment. I had him not not just DFS, but also in a playoff game, too, where I was kind of thin. That hurts. Uh, Metcalf was 7 of 81, but almost all of that was early. Uh, you know, he did very little in the second half of this game. Very little targets, for that matter. Yeah, again, in a game that Seattle was trailing, pretty shocking that Kenneth Walker ended up getting to 26 carries. And look, it, it, it worked. I mean, he, again, he was moving the ball in the second half, and – uh, like I said, they couldn't finish off those drives, but yeah, I, I thought this would be a much higher volume day for DK Metcalf. I mean, I, I thought we could be looking at double digit catches. Yeah. And in fact, like on one of those long drives where they like went for and fourth down and didn't make it, um, had they scored, had they converted this, get, this game plays a little bit differently. KC is a little bit more aggressive offensively, just a different game. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. But KC much like Buffalo, they just continue to kind of do the bare minimum every week and they're still in very good shape. I mean, that's sometimes that's what you can do, I think, in today's NFL. I think that's kind of the point. You know, these, these, you know, the, the two deep, uh, two safeties deep, the, this high shell, um, it's hard to have the big plays. Uh, doesn't, unless you're watching Philly and Dallas, apparently. But, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, it, sometimes I think it's hard to crack that nut. No, you're right. You're right. And I, I I don't feel any worse about Kansas City. You know, it's like, yeah, it'd be great yeah. if they were winning these games by 20 every week. But at the same time, it's like if they're the one seed, I, I'm, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I think he's probably on pace to win the MVP in some ways back his way into it. But but obviously he's been fantastic as always. I think he's, you know, already at that level uh, pretty clearly where it feels like he could just get it every year if, if, if you know, if we voted on best player or most dangerous quarterback. 100% agree on that one there. Uh, our, our All of our podcasts are brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the App Store so you get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. 
All right, Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're we're breaking down all of our advantage, uh, all of our reactions from Week 16. The slate here, got to talk Giants Vikings. Super entertaining early slate game. Uh, they had the whiteout going there. Ugly, ugly end zone. I had wow. such a hard time with the white uniforms and the white end zone. Just being able to kind of see all the the necessary lines. I mean, it had to be miserable for the rest. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Uh, Minnesota is always kind of trying to manufacture uh, like traditions and lore and things of that nature. I, I don't really get it. I mean, this all kind of goes back to the whatever they call that, the skull thing. Yeah, uh, one of the lamest traditions I think, in, not only in sports history but just in world history. Um, so you know, prop, props to Minnesota <laughs> for quality for to hate do that. there. Love it. I, yeah, it's just so lame. It's super lame. Um, but it, how many times has Minnesota played this exact game? this year this was what i think their fifth game winning field goal of the season four of those have come essentially as time expired they had one other game where they, they had a field goal with under a minute left uh they are now 11 and 0 in one score games on the year it, we're, we're i still don't think they're a good team right like all the numbers indicate they're an average to slightly below average team but you, yeah. you just you have to respect it you don't get to 11 and 0 in one score games without being pretty good so i i remain you know convinced that the vikings are a dangerous team. I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league. And that's saying a lot because there are five or six guys who have a real case to hold that crown. Uh, but it feels like they, every time they're in this situation, they're facing a third and long or even a, a fourth and short. And who's always open. Who's making a giant catch late. It's Justin Jefferson. And that was the case yet again. I mean, he is such a, a massive, massive weapon for this team. And all they do is win close games. That's all they do. I mean, it's, yep. it's remarkable. 16 targets for Jefferson, 16 targets for TJ Lockinson. Uh, he is just, I mean, the, he was dominant in this game. They kept going and going yep. and going to him. You know, it's kind of funny. The two, like, trendy, two of the three trendy pickups in uh, wide receiver this past week were Marquise Goodwin, who got shut out because of the injury, and the other was KJ Osborne, who got reverted back to being KJ Osborne, who had three for yep. 17 on four targets. But Hawkinson was great. Jefferson was amazing. You know, Kirk Cousins was was pretty darn good. He got sacked four times. And the funny thing is, this was a pretty quiet game. It was 10-7 at halftime, but it went nuts in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it did. And, you know, I mean, the, we, we saw the Giants you know, were able to make this a game. They, they they go down late, tie the game, get the two-point conversion uh, to, to end up tying it. And at that point, you know, there, there were probably two or three points, actually, on that last Vikings drive where it looked like, all right, you know, all right, let's pack it in here. You know, it looks like we're going to overtime and, you know, they're able to convert that third and nine at their own 26. They were able to convert a third and 11, uh, mm -hmm. both of those to Justin Jefferson, uh, the second of which set up the long field goal attempt. I mean, again, just super impressive late game execution by Minnesota. I, I thought the Giants, I mean, this was a very winnable game for them. That's for sure. Yep. You, know, you have a you have a punt blocked late in this game that sets up a, a touchdown. For Minnesota, that absolutely cannot happen. Richie James had some really oh. bad drops late in this game. One of them, you know, was, was a no doubter first down into field goal range. Uh, so he ends with eight for 90, still a successful day. But yeah, Richie James left a couple on the table. Uh, we say Isaiah Hodgins, eight for 89 and a touchdown. Ended up being a solid day for Darius Slayton as well. Uh, and Saquon Barkley, you know, as the, the 27 yard touchdown late in the game that ended up salvaging his fantasy day for sure um yeah three times this year james has been prominently featured in giants losses he had the fumbled punts uh yep. against seattle 
Uh, I think it was there. There was another game. I, I think maybe the Detroit game. I forget which, where he just made a just a and had another terrible fumble. And now that that drop on third and five was just horrible, horrible. Of course, the Giants deserve some scorn for punting anyhow uh, when they had that punt block. They, they that was a situation where they probably could have, should have gone for it. They, yeah, I mean, it, it, you either go for it or you at least get the punt off. The the one outcome that you cannot have is get the punt blocked and right. give the ball to the other team at like the twenty yard line. I mean, that was. That was egregious. It was awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I actually thought Daniel Jones played really well in this mm-hmm. game. I think this was, if you're making the case for why he's the guy going forward and why he could succeed with better weapons around him, I think this is the tape that you're showing the GM and saying, look, I mean, yep. this guy, look, look who he's throwing to. Um, but yeah, it, it just feels like this is kind of, you know, whether the Giants make the playoffs or not, you know, whether they ultimately put a fight in the, put up a fight in the playoffs or not this is kind of the, the game. I, I think that in some ways is emblematic of their season where it's like Daniel Jones played about as well as he could Saquon yep. Barkley looked like Saquon Barkley. But at the end of the day, you, you just don't have the horses to keep up with a team that has Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. For sure. I think that's, I think that's right. Giants are still in the playoffs right now. They're, they're the yeah. sixth seed uh, top five are, are well, one through one through three and five are all locked up. The NFC South will be the four seed. Uh, Cowboys have locked the fifth, but they got a they got a half game lead on the or a full game lead on the Commanders actually, uh, and you know they they did lose to the Seahawks. So if they somehow got you know somehow got into a tie with the Seahawks, the Seahawks would win that. But mm-hmm. that that tie is going to help. I think that tie is really going to help them a lot. Yeah, they they're in a win and in scenario next week uh, yep. per per five thirty eight. So no matter what else happens in the NFC with the Commanders or the Packers or the Lions or the Seahawks, if the Giants just beat the Colts. They're in, and they don't have yep. to worry about it. So they're they're in very good shape still. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get to Green Bay and, and what they need. Uh, but things, everything's breaking the Packers' way at this point, um, including you know them beating the, the Miami Dolphins. But yeah, that that final spot in the NFC is almost certainly going to come down to uh, Week 18. Yeah. So at least we'll have uh, some compelling football to watch uh, there. At least compelling storylines. I don't know about football, compelling games yeah. themselves, but yeah, <laughs> compelling uh, storylines. All right. Big, I think one of the big surprises of the day, even though I picked the Panthers to win, but I think the Panthers going out and just housing the Lions was a shocker. I mean, they destroyed the Lions. Nick, they had over 500 yards of offense, 570 yards of offense, 250 passing yards, 320 running yards. It just, I never saw, and and the Lions were pretty good against the run in like the weeks coming up to this game. Like for five or six weeks in a row, I was talking about this like with Kev Maceraj at Roto Surgeon about this, like, Five or six weeks in a row, they shut down opposing running backs. They had two guys go over 100 yards against the Lions, and it, it happened early and often. Uh, there was talk during this game of whether the Panthers would challenge the single-game rushing record, which they ultimately yeah. did not. I think it was set in like 1950, and it's over 400 yards. Uh, so they didn't end up coming all that close. But they had 203 rushing yards at the half of this game. I mean, they were well over 100 midway through the first quarter. Uh, this was shocking to me. It really was. I, I was on... Uh, Lions minus two and a half. I it, we maybe should have followed the breadcrumbs here as to why that line uh, was a little bit lower than where I said it. Uh, but it, it, it is hard to parse exactly why Detroit just completely no-showed this game. I mean, this is still a, a very meaningful game, obviously, for Detroit. Um, there, there's you know, still plenty to play for for Carolina as well. But it's like motivation shouldn't really factor into it. Um, I, I don't want to make the the simple uh, guess that it's like, well, you know, Detroit, you know, maybe they were just due to lose one of these games. I, I don't think that really gets us anywhere. I, I guess I'm not shocked that Detroit lost the game. I am absolutely shocked in the way that it happened. I mean, this was 
this was virtually over, I would say what, by the end of the, really by halftime, it was 24 yep. seven and you know, got up to 31 seven Detroit somewhat made it a game. Uh, you know, they cut it to 14 with right. about four minutes left in the fourth. But I mean, at that point, you know, you, you're, you're talking, you know, you need multiple breaks. And even after that, Carolina is able to go down, run clock, get a field goal, push it back up to 17. I mean, the, 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 the lack of ability to get stops against a Sam Darnold led offense to me was, was pretty alarming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's crazy. Dar- Darnold was doing, doing well on the ground, had that rushing touchdown too. Uh, yep. RPO that he basically walked in. I mean, Foreman, Hubbard, Blackshire scored too. I mean, Hubbard didn't score, but he got over a hundred yards. I mean, it's just, they, yep. they got what they just, it was dial it up. Um, just, just wild. So I don't know. I don't know what to think on that one there, but uh, nonetheless, uh, every good streak has to come to an end. You were talking about that earlier with other teams. Well, I mean, the Lions have been playing at such a level. It was surprising to see the extent to which they laid an egg. I guess that's, that's really what I'm surprised at there. I mean, is it fair to say the entire game changed on that, that fumble? Uh, It was first and goal at the Carolina eight, just at the start of the second quarter. And at the time it looked like Detroit uh, was poised to, to, to take a lead in this game. They, they had given up a touchdown. Then they responded. It was seven, seven. They had just forced a three and out and you, know, you, you march all the way down the field, 13 plays fumble at the eight yard line. And really from then on, it yeah. felt like, I felt like the offense had lost confidence. I mean, after that drive, Detroit went four straight three and outs and the game was over. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it did change. You're right. I, I, and I, you know, I didn't realize that how close it was, but yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. That was a big, big, huge play. Funny thing is golf had that fumble, but he had a good game. Otherwise three touchdown passes, all this road, Jared Goff stuff. We can kind of put away for a little bit there, three fifty-five and three touchdowns. Admittedly, a lot of that came late. So maybe oh, yeah. you can't put it away yet quite just yet, but nonetheless, they do get to go home. They get a home game against the bears. you got golf in your fancy super bowl. You got to roll with them. Oh, absolutely. And look, this, I mean, I had golf going into in DFS and this actually turned into kind of a best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, right. You, know, you, you, you kind of want that, you know, it's not the worst thing in DFS or in fantasy when your quarterback is down three scores at halftime, uh, because it means he's throwing the ball 40 plus times. And he, like you said, he got to three fifty-five, three touchdowns. Golf was not great in this game by any means, but he was not the issue. I, I think it was defensively is where the lions really had their problems. And I, I think they just got down to the point where they, they had to get away from the run. Uh, you you kind of took a zero, on uh, guys like DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, they were completely stacked up. Williams went seven for 11 in this game too, right? Um, yeah, he did. He did. And, you know, DJ Chark had one long catch that, that helped him get to 108 on four catches. That was good. But, you know, average day for Amon Ross St. Brown, seven for 76. Uh, didn't get much from the, you know, the ancillary guys uh, for Detroit. Although Shane Zilstra, <laughs> all three touchdowns for the Detroit Lions. The wrong Zilstra too. You know, it wasn't even Brandon. It was Shane. Come on. I, I, I assume he was started in 0.0% of leagues. If, if there's a, there's probably a showdown league out there where he was started. Yeah. I'm thinking if someone showed down Detroit, Carolina on a day where there's a full slate, God bless you. Good for you. Um, that's not my style. I, 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 first of all, I suck at showdown. So, but secondly, if you did that, good for you. Just, just good for you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm super disappointed in DeAndre Swift. You know, he had his second highest snap count of the season, barely got the ball. Uh, barely, you know, and the thing is like, okay, and Jamal Williams got hurt in this game. He got five targets, I guess, only caught one of them. That might have been part of the problem. But, you know, 
you can't count, you can't start any of the Detroit running backs now with any sort of confidence. Oh, it felt like we were moving in the right direction with Swift and mm-hmm. they'd been very delicate with his workload since that early season injury. But uh, yeah, I mean, I do doing my prep for this week. There were a lot of people that were on Swift. Uh, I think this felt like a really good spot, um, but it just wasn't. And like you said, the snaps, I mean, that this is what we wanted. Thanks in part to the injury. I mean, he more yep. than doubled up Jamal Williams in snaps. Justin Jackson was, was still involved, but only played 14. I mean, Swift, if, if you want to say, yeah, they're down, I get it. He only had four carries. He ran 25 routes and, and he was targeted on a fifth of those, but yeah, it just, it just wasn't what we were expecting at all. So that, you know, nobody saw this game script coming, just got to chalk it up as a loss and move on. It feels like next week's going to be a Jamal Williams scores three touchdowns in everybody's bench week. Yeah. Yes, it does. It sure does. Especially against that bears defense. Yeah. Going to going to be nursing an injury. We're not sure. He's so touchdown dependent. People are like, I I can't start him. And then he's going to go off on the bench. I just feel it. Ugh gross yeah never fun never fun at least look i i think i pretty much eliminated in in all but like one league at this point so uh maybe i the the saving grace is that i won't be on the uh the losing end of that speaking of eliminated the atlanta falcons have been eliminated they lost to the ravens 17 to 9 the worst red zone performance i think i've seen in a long time uh they kept on getting down there and then stalling out and stalling out and stalling out yeah, this was as ugly as anticipated, right? We, we talked about it all week on the show. And, um, you know, I mean, I, th- this is kind of exactly, I think, the game that the Ravens wanted here, right? It's like yeah. you're, you're playing with, with Stu Puntley again, and you know that your defense can absolutely suffocate Desmond Ritter, and you're not going to have to do a whole lot offensively. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta ran 17 more plays. They had 30 more yards of, of, of total offense. Um, you know, they, they had almost a hundred more passing yards than the Ravens. Like there were a lot of indications that, that Atlanta, I wouldn't say dominated this game, but at least controlled it. I mean, time of possession, yeah. time of possession, you know, slanted fairly heavily in favor of Atlanta. But, uh, you know, this was just kind of exactly the script that we kind of saw playing out in the cold in Baltimore. Uh, like you said, plenty of opportunities for the Atlanta Falcons. They could not finish out drives. I uh, had a big fumble, uh, another Drake London fumble. Uh, midway through the second quarter, two weeks big. in a row, that felt like a big, big game changer. That was a productive drive. Uh, you know, caught a twenty-yard pass. You know, it was at least going to be a field goal situation for the Atlanta Falcons. Instead, he coughs it up. Baltimore immediately goes the other way. It's a fourteen-nothing game. And with Desmond Ritter at quarterback in those conditions, once Baltimore went up fourteen-nothing, that felt insurmountable. And yet, you and I are both on the Falcons, and I felt like I had, oh. I got wronged on the non-cover there. You know, the uh, seven and a half game in it at eight, uh, I think, know. of course, uh, because Baltimore's offense is, is a real problem, real, real problem. They can't they just can't throw right now. Just not at all. They did have a receiving touchdown, their first wide receiver touchdown since week three. That's preposterous, preposterous. And look, if there's any team who you would say, what what team do you think would have that stat? It would be Baltimore, partially because they yeah. just don't have any receivers. Um, so that's that's part of it. But Still, I mean, that is just a, a wild, wild stat. And then in this game of all games, to have that receiving touchdown, uh, you know, down your top two receivers, these conditions, backup quarterback, uh, of course it happens. They, they finish out with the Steelers and the Bengals the next two weeks, and, and Baltimore has clinched the playoffs. They're in. But, yeah, you said it. I mean, I, I think you have to remember, even before the Lamar injury, things were not looking good for this offense, and they're not going to have a whole lot of time to get yep. this sorted out, especially against two good defenses down the stretch. So very curious to see if they could rediscover anything once Lamar Jackson gets back, uh, you mentioned it, by the way, all we needed was just a field goal at the end. That's what I was hoping for uh, to, to get that cover. 
And Atlanta had a first to goal on the four yard line and was stuffed on four straight plays. So that's, that's the and kind of, of course, deal. that's the kind of day that it was. Yeah. And of course they're not going to kick there. Of course they're not going to kick. They sh- you, you can't cause you need to touch down that in the two point conversion yeah, that late, I mean, but I suppose, but then, I, I mean, yeah, I guess they, well, at that point they only had six. So, cause they, oh, they, oh okay. they then forced a punt and then kicked the field goal to cut it to eight. So like, and I get Man. that cause you know, you need two scores, but um, yeah, I mean, I was just selfishly hoping for the field goal. Did, did it make sense situationally? Maybe not. Uh, but for the cover, we, we desperately needed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. So I, I got it wrong. I thought it was already 17, nine at the time. It was 17, mm-hmm. six. Okay. Yeah. Well then, yeah. What were you doing? Think about us, us, you know, us, us better. Is, is Arthur Smith not reading Rotowire staff picks? I don't understand. <sighs> you know, he, he hasn't been reading Rotowire in a long time. Um, unfortunately there, but yeah, Baltimore, they're a pain in the ass to play. You're on, like on a collision course to face them again, though. Uh, how do you feel about this? Look, I, I feel relatively okay about it. I, you know, it, it, you never want to, you're never going to welcome a matchup uh, against that Baltimore defense. That's for sure. But you know, the Jags have already beat the Ravens and in, in come from behind fashion in a game where it felt like Jacksonville didn't even play all that well. Uh, it feels like that the Jags have taken a, another leap forward since that game. Um, you know, who knows what Lamar Jackson would look like physically at that point. Obviously it's a, a depleted yeah. team. I think they're, they're similar to the Titans in, in some ways where, you know, you, you, you kind of fall back and you, you want to trust the infrastructure, but at some point when you're missing enough guys and there's, there's that much depletion on offense, you're just not the same team. So look, I mean, if you're the Jags, you're just happy to get in. You, you can't be playing the matchup game, but I, I, you know, you're getting that game at home. I, I don't, I don't think it's crazy for the Jaguars to, to feel like they can win that game. I'm glad you mentioned the Titans too in that context. There was a period where it was the triumphant of those three teams, Ravens, Titans, Jaguars, always seeming to be playing each other towards the end of the AFC playoffs. Yeah. There is a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the, the old AFC central foes, I believe. Um, yep. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously it's going to come down to, to week 18 for Jags Titans. I'm very, very nervous about that one. Uh, I've got a nice tune up against the, the, uh, the Houston Texans coming up here, but I, I, I'm, I'm weary of even, uh, you know, talking about the Jags as if they're going to make the playoffs. We, we, we just got to get there first. All right. All right. So I won't ask you the next question until next week then uh, about who, who'd you rather. Um, but because uh, are we talking like who, who would I rather play in the divisional? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Which, which NFC team do we want to see in the, in the Super Bowl? Let's see. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, yeah I, would, you, I don't want to play yeah. any of those teams. I, I think yeah. the, the Jags, they're no, the no. Who'd scenario. you rather play in the wild card round? Like, cause it, I it's I guess you I guess they're locked into the five though right pretty much Baltimore yeah not necessarily I think they could lose their next two and the Chargers could win their next two and they could get the five okay uh, so so Chargers or Ravens who would you rather face whew. well I actually I actually think the Dolphins are still alive there as well because they have the head to head over Baltimore so let's say Baltimore Chargers or Dolphins I think I'd rather play the Ravens I think I'd rather play the Ravens and we'll we'll, we'll speak to John McKechnie about that on Tuesday on the XM show. We'll, we'll see what he says about that. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I worry about like, I don't want to play Herbert and I look, I, I wouldn't say I don't want to play Tua right now, but uh, I, I don't want to play Tyreek Hill and I don't want to play Jalen Waddle. So, so give me Baltimore. Fair. All right. Fair enough. Speaking of those, you mentioned those Titans. Let's, let's get this. Let's do it. Let's rip off the bandaid and talk about this dog of a team here. Uh, Tannehill's out for the year. Malik Willis, 14 of 23. They forced him to throw the ball. Still ended up with 99 passing yards and two two interceptions, no touchdowns. Did have that highlight reel rushing touchdown at least and had 43 rushing yards. But, man, this team feels just like doneer than done. 
Oh, it sure does. And, you know, I, I think we, we got the report coming into the weekend that Ryan Tannehill, you know, is kind of doing everything he can get to get some sort of procedure to try to be back for week 18. Even if that's the case, it's like, yeah, that's an upgrade over Willis, but he's just, he's not going to be anywhere close to hundred percent. So it's, it's starting to look really dicey for Tennessee. Uh, you know, Titans were, were in control for the bulk of this game. You know, they, they gave up the go ahead touchdown with just under three minutes left. And then it was back-to-back picks to, to essentially end the game for Malik Willis. And I can't remember if it was the first or the second one was just a, just a classic rookie play, you know, just didn't, yeah. you, I, I think he thought he looked off the defender. Uh, the defender read it perfectly. Uh, Willis threw it right to him. And and that was it. I believe that was Petrie. Um, yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we kind of saw this performance coming from the Texans. I, I didn't have the guts to take them to win. I, I think I, I rolled with Tennessee minus three. I took Tennessee in, in the Pickham league, but I went low. Uh, you know, it, this to me was, it was a tough spot to read for Houston, especially because they had played so well against good teams the last couple of weeks. Yeah. You kind of thought, well, is, is this maybe the letdown spot? But yeah, I thought Davis Mills for the most part played a pretty good game. Uh, but this was really about Tennessee just not being able to, to threaten Houston through the air. And, and Derek Henry did about exactly what we expected. He, he went over the rushing prop, uh, but, but wasn't, you know, other than that long touchdown in the first half, it, it was not a, not a dominant overall day where, where you're just you know helpless. If you're the Houston Texans, I, I think, you know, Houston was kind of okay with Henry getting his and, and they were able yeah. to completely limit Malik Willis. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, Henry got that one on the first drive and you're like, okay, this is another Derrick Henry 200 yep. yard day. And nope. Uh, Houston got the fluke touchdown on the Davis Mills fumble where Burkhead got the fumble. Uh, people had to review the rules that he, he, you know, about whether you could establish yourself coming back into the end zone on the Burkhead fumble recovery and all that. Um People are going nuts on Twitter about that for a half a second. And then they moved on because then they realize you're going nuts about Houston and Tennessee. And we'll, we'll move on from that one there. But uh, Houston, I mean, ugh, just looking at what they, you know, there, there's no running game to speak of. Ogubanwale and Freeman did very little. Freeman had like, what, 16 carries for 32? Yeah, that's yeah, super he, fun he, to watch. Erupted for 32 yards on 16 yeah. carries. Brandon Cooks did resurface at one moment, did get the touchdown, though. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, for, it feels like the first time we've talked about him in, in forever. I mean, there is just not a whole lot going on in this Houston offense. And I, I guess if you want to tip your cap to the, the, the Driscoll Mills combination for completing passes to what, 11 different receivers yeah. in this game, or at least 11 were targeted, 10 were completed. I mean, we saw Keegan Quatoriano uh, was targeted. Troy Hairston had a catch. Uh, Jeff Driscoll himself even had a reception. Uh, that's, Justifying that's kind of that uh, tight end designation in Yahoo, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's what it's come to for Houston. But like we said earlier, I mean, look, you got the number one pick locked up. That was the number one mission of this season was put yourself in position to get a quarterback. Check that one off. Uh, you know, you played respectable football for most of the last two months. I, I think, look, I mean, you're never going to look at a, a two or three win season for Houston as a success, but this team is not a nearly as much of a complete as bar- embarrassment as it felt like they were headed toward, you know, kind of midway through the year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, hey, they get paid on they paid paid every weekend too. So now they yeah. got their second win. Uh good for them. And it didn't hurt their they like you said, didn't hurt their draft pick standing whatsoever. They're still now, although now they're within a they did lose they did lose to the Bears. So they've got but they're they're a half game ahead of the Bears now. One more yep. win. We might be talking here. Uh so they gotta be careful. So maybe that bodes well for you for the Jaguars, but I, I, you know, players don't, again, players yeah. don't, uh, aren't, aren't the ones that are trying to uh, tank front offices do, but not the players and coaches themselves. All right. Before I move on to the afternoon slate of games, quick note from our friends at monkey knife fight, 
Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Here with Nick Whalen, Jeff Erickson here. Let's move on, talk a little bit about the uh, Commanders and 49ers. Second a week in a row, George Kittle is the man in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, George Kittle has really, really come on. And that that almost feels like a, an understatement at this point. I mean, we were we were talking midseason about, you know, whether he has to be considered one of the bigger busts. And, you know, it, it felt like his draft cost was depressed to the point where you're not like, you know, you're not really kicking yourself if you uh, if you drafted George Kittle. But man, I mean, he has completely reversed that narrative over the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, San Francisco being without Debo Samuel, it almost just feels like a non-story, which is insane, given how yeah, much of a playmaker Debo Samuel is. And it just, it just hasn't mattered. And the biggest reason for that is because George Kittle is starting to look like 2018 George Kittle all over again. I mean, not, not only is it the receptions and the targets, but to me, it's the, the running after the catch. Like that is what made him so special as a young yeah. player. And that is, that is back now. I mean, he looks fantastic. And I mean, just was another runaway win for San Francisco in a game that was tied seven, seven at the half. And they just dominated the second half of this game. I mean, for a while there, I'm starting to, I was starting to entertain the notion of like, well, wait a second here. Are we, we going to see San Francisco get tripped up? You know, Brock Purdy had a really bad interception on a, on a drop by, Jawan Jennings it never should have happened. That felt like a, a potential game-changing play, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was a combination of, of Kittle, you know, Ray Ray McLeod ripped off a long touchdown, and then of course the San Francisco defense just slamming the door uh, on yeah. Washington, and potentially the last time we see Heineke this year. Yeah, um, what do you think about that decision? By the way, I I don't know. I mean, the, the writing was kind of on the wall coming into this game. Rivera made some some comments, you know, after the last game about potentially needing to go back to Wentz. So I, I feel like he was kind of putting it out there. Uh, and then of course we saw Carson Wentz in, in garbage time in this game. To me, it doesn't really matter. I, I guess maybe the organization feels like it has some, some sort of strange obligation to Carson Wentz because it did go out of its way to bring him in. I don't feel really any differently about this offense one way or the other. I, I I'm, I'm kind of out on Carson Wentz reclamation project. I feel like we're, we're beyond that. Right. If you have Terry McLaurin, I'd be upset because I think the one thing that Heineke did was he made sure that McLaurin got his share of targets, whereas Wentz yep. didn't necessarily do that. Uh, so I, I'd be a little concerned about that and a little Jahan Dotson. Uh, so my take here is Heineke's not even that great. So I don't really care that much yep. about defending it and defending him. But a road game against the Niners where he's getting absolutely beat up. One of the plays was like a tip interception. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like or I think the fumble, you know, it was the fumble. I think that was the issue uh, on that one play. But it was, this is a tough game to be the barometer to say, okay, he's failing us here. Um, you know, Wentz was averaging 7.7 .7 yards per attempt. He, he connected a lot of small passes. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. um, I think Heineke gets you a little bit more downfield. So I, I honestly, I, I didn't like it. Um, now, the commanders still have a chance of making the playoffs, and they don't have a quarterback. That's weird. Uh, but they get the Browns at home this week. This is a big week for them, and they don't even know who their quarterback is. Yeah, if they win that Browns game, they're at about 50% chance to make the playoffs, and that's regardless yep. of other results. That number jumps up closer to 60% if Seattle uh, were to lose to the Jets. Uh, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that you know, it's, it's kind of the, the commanders, the Packers, the Lions are all grouped together at this point. And 
Uh, Green Bay needs the commanders to lose one of the next two games. If, yep. if the commanders, if the commanders win their next two, no matter what they're in. Uh, so they, they're still in a position uh, where, you know, despite the fact, if you look at like 538, they have like a 29% chance to make the playoffs. If, if they win, they're in. Um, yep. So, you know, they, it's, it's not exactly a, uh, you know, it's like, all right, let's go Carson Wentz. You control your own destiny. It's not, not the most confident situation, but uh, two very winnable games on the schedule, Cleveland, and then a Dallas team in week 18 that, you know, who knows how many regulars we see in that game. For sure. Cause they're locked and loaded into their spot. They're, they yep. can't go anywhere else. Uh, boy, green Bay really missing out, l- blowing that lead against the commanders. Uh, uh, I mean, they're going to look back in the season. If they, if they are out of the playoffs, they'll look back on that particular game that was in hand and they blew it. It's the commanders game, the jets game, the giants game in London, the Lions game. I mean, all yep. those came within like a five week span. Uh, if they win just any one of those games, yeah, they're they're probably uh, in the playoffs. And and look, maybe they'll still make it by a miracle. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're in the position where they can win out and and at this point still not make it. They need yep. uh, they need either one loss by the Commanders or the Giants to lose both of their games, uh, which you know they play Indy and the, and the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So that seems highly unlikely. Um, although you know, you know stranger things that happen to the Giants yep. too, but. Let's talk Packers really quick. Uh, they Sunday morning. So I was disappointed in this game a little bit because I had a lot of NFFC interest in this one. I had Tyreek Hill. I had Jeff Wilson. I had Alan Lazard. I needed offense. It was 10-10 at the end of the first quarter. It was 20-13 it was at halftime. Of course, that fumble right before halftime was huge, I think. Huge. Raheem Mostert putting that on the ground. Them even running the ball in that situation, the two-minute drill was kind of weird, but – that 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 Miami just was never the same after that. They got they got uh, they moved the ball, but then they you know, cough it up. They find a way to foul it up the whole game there. But hey, got it. Credit to the Packers. They they were able to do what they did without no without any Christian Watson in the second half. Some other key injuries in this one here. Continue their recent string of good play. Yeah, I, I still don't really feel like Green Bay played all that well in this right. game, but it was the it was the fumble, like you said, before the half, and then obviously the the interceptions by Tua on three straight drives in the in the second half. I mean, that was that was egregious, man. I mean, that yeah. was this is exactly why you know there's there's so much uh, trepidation, I think, when it came to discussing Tua's place in the QB hierarchy this year. And you know, there's a clip going around Twitter of you know Tua did take a hard fall in the first half where his head kind of snapped back and, and hit the ground. So there's you know, somebody's throwing it out there. It's like, oh, maybe he was concussed again. That that explains the interceptions. Like, right. I guess if you really want to make that argument, whatever. But I mean, those were just awful, awful, awful interceptions. I mean, inexcusable. Um, it's a combination of bad throws and some some minor miscommunications. But to me, these were these were mostly on Tua. You know, we, we talked about you know kind of Joe yep. Burrow being immune from making you know those kind of mistakes on on picks. I mean, I don't give Tua that same benefit of the doubt. No. This is now, this is three abjectly terrible games in the last four for Tua. And yeah, I, I don't, if you're Miami, I don't know how you could really feel confident about what you've seen. I mean, midway through the year, we were, we were talking about having to do a complete reversal. I'm, I'm apologizing for, for being out on Tua coming into the year. And now <laughs> I'm feeling like maybe I should have said that. I, I what's, what is going on? Justified. Here? Yes. It's crazy. But, and the, the other thing is like the first half, I thought Tua was making a ton of really good throws, some good reads, you know, just kind of what we've seen from him when this offense is clicking throughout the year. So I, it, it was just a, a a wild reversal and how quickly yeah. those kicks happened. You know, it felt like the Dolphins defense consistently did a great job of forcing Green Bay to kick field goals. You know, the Packers were knocking on the door over and over and over and continued to have to settle for field goals. They just could not put the game away. And then two plays later, two was throwing it right back to the Packers. I mean, it was, 
crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Even at the end, the Packers settling for that field goal instead yep. of like trying a little harder to get that first down, which would have straight up ended the game. They did the dreaded go up by six against a potent offense thing. Uh, but to a bailed amount was just a horrific throw. Just a terrible throw. Just horrible, inexcusable throw. Yeah, I mean, just almost, yeah, you know, like you said, inexcusable is the word I was going to use. I, I just, I don't know how you even explain some of those. Like, it, it's understandable if you have like one miscommunication. Like, I thought he was going deep. I threw short, that type of thing. But yeah. I mean, it, it, for that to happen three times, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen really. No. So um, I, I will say early on, I thought we were headed toward a, an explosive day for this Miami offense. I mean, the Jalen Waddle 84 yarder, like that is exactly what I expected to happen against this Packers secondary. Yeah. And I, I still don't, I, again, I don't think the secondary played all that well, despite having three interceptions, it was still a lot of the same issues that green Bay's had all year, but they, they really got bailed out. They, they got bailed out by Tua. And uh, you know, I, I think if you're the dolphins, you say, look, we threw three interceptions on three straight possessions in the second half and still had a chance to win this game. Like, yep. I, I, I don't know if you could, I, it's hard to take any positives away if you're Miami, but I, I remain unconvinced by, by green Bay. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. And they face Minnesota this week in Lambeau. Minnesota loved nothing more than to eliminate the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, can they? I, I, all right. I'm going to do guess the lines here. I know okay, I was going to say, I was hoping we do it for this game. Yeah. Let's do guess the lines. I think green Bay is actually a favorite here. I think green Bay is going to okay. be a three and a half. No, three point favorite, just a straight up okay. three, three point favorite with a total of 45. Okay. So I could tell you that I, I have not looked today last night. Uh, green Bay was a three point favorite. That's where it opened. It is currently over at DraftKings. green Bay still by three total 47. Okay. All right. I think the Packers I, have to be favored. I am like, on the Packers on this one here. I want to see what the injury reports are and all that, but I'm on the Packers on this one here. I, I I'm on green Bay as well. Reluctantly. I, I just, I really worry you know, all the things I just said about that secondary. It's like, okay, now, now yep. go do that against Justin Jefferson and, and Hawkinson and Thielen and Osborne. Like I, part of me thinks that, you know, green Bay is we we've seen them kind of make these runs before. So you're yeah. inclined to think that it's going to happen again. I just, I don't think they're playing that well. I don't really feel like there's this mystique around this team that, that Rogers teams of the past have had. Um, but we'll see, man. I mean, like this is a, this is an afternoon game, right? So they'll, they'll play this game at three twenty-five. at that point. We will know if the commanders have lost to the Browns, yeah. if the commanders lose to the Browns, I, I don't see the Packers losing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think if the commanders beat the Browns and the Packers know that their hopes are, are kind of hanging by a thread, um, you know, we'll see what that does for Aaron Rodgers, who I, I don't think Rodgers played that well last week either. Um, or I should say no. yesterday that, that to me, it remains a concern. Um, uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. Overall, it does feel like green Bay somehow finds a way to win a game that we don't really feel all that great about. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and you know, it's funny they kind of forgot that Aaron Jones exists in this game. It was very, he did, I, I, he, he did say he got banged up early in the game. I thought the same thing. It felt like they went three series without him out there. Like they, they had right. their third string running back. I forget his name, even Foster, uh, Patrick right? Taylor, Taylor, Patrick Taylor. Taylor was out there taking care of it. I mean, like Patrick Taylor does not enter the game unless there's an injury. Right. Um, so that's usually a red flag. And yeah, Jones said, he, I think he banged up his ankle or his calf in the first half. And he did end up coming back, had some carries, but didn't really look like himself. And yeah, he is on the, the initial injury report for, for week 17. Yeah. So something to watch for, for that. My timeline was lighting up on that one there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's move on. And Pat's by the way, at the, at new England, we talked about that earlier. I mean, they, uh, not that Pat's, I'm sorry. The dolphins are at the, uh, the Pats, uh, coming up here. So that's, that's big for the dolphins too. They, I mean, 
they they've just gone through this rough, rough, rough stretch. I think everyone was talking them up as okay, they're dangerous in the playoffs. They've lost four in a row now. Yeah, they're I mean, they're still in the inside track to make the playoffs, but I, I think the the quarterback play, as we've been saying, has just been so alarming that mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you really have faith in this team. Uh, you know, let's say they get the seven, you know, you're, you're going to Kansas city or you're going to Cincinnati in, in that opening round game. I mean, I just, I don't see that going well for Miami. I don't, I, I think they, they have the ability of course to, to hang with anybody when Tua is engaged, but I think playing those games up in Cincy or at KC or at Buffalo, like that's, that's not going to work in their favor. No, I, I'd agree with that. Um, and then, so they, they, they go at the pads and then home against the jets. So both those games going to have some heft, some meaning to it there. All right, uh, Eagles Cowboys. Uh, this was the Gardner Minshew Bowl. I know, see, like, okay, is he, you know, what can we, what do you think about Gardner Minshew and his performance? 355 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Mm-hmm. A lot of that production came late. He uh, seemed to have a pretty big connection going with Devontae Smith, but AJ Brown also got over 100 yards yeah. in this one. I think this went about to script. And, you know, you and I talked about, you know, what happens with the 15 to 18 Jalen Hurts rush attempts? You know, where do those get redistributed? Gardner Minshew threw the ball 40 times. So I think if you started, if you started Minshew under the belief that we see a maybe more, you know, pass heavy attack from Philly, this is exactly what you wanted. And, you know, the two interceptions, a little disappointing, but getting the 355 with the two touchdowns, I mean, both Smith and Brown go over a hundred yards, Dallas Goddard. I think all things considered pretty solid for his first game back three for seven. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think it went about as it should have, I mean, crushing, crushing fumble for the second week in a row by Miles Sanders yeah. late in this game uh, that, that, that killed the uh, Eagles plus six, John and I double lock that on the sports gambling pod. Uh, we oh, ended no. up pushing, but that was, that was our, our bet of the week. And I thought we were golden at that point. It looked like, you know, worst case scenario, uh, the Eagles were going to lose that game by three points, but to fumble that ball with 219 left on first down, potentially, you know, marching for the game winning score. Uh, Philly just couldn't recover for that. And, you know, they, they did have one final last gas drive, ended up coming up short. Um, but yeah, that, that, that fumble, I, I think, really is going to end up defining this game. Um, but I, I think the other takeaway is neither defense could stop the other. I mean, 74 combined points here. Yep. Uh, and that's including a pick six uh, uh, right away. I benched yep. the Eagles defense. Uh, in favor of the Bucks and uh, in, in, in the NFFC, we don't get negative points for points allowed. So I ended okay. up actually having a net negative there because uh, I got, you know, six sacks. The Eagles pass rush is still legit, oh, yeah. uh, but six sacks and a pick six. It would have been nice to have that there. Uh, but that, like you said, that fumble by Sanders is huge. Minshew lost one also. Uh, so, you know, those are some pretty big turnovers in this game. Four, uh, four turnovers for the Eagles. Uh, they did lose Lane Johnson this game, yes. and that's a big one to watch. That is huge. Uh, Gardner Mitchell was not sacked in this game, uh, which is a, a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. you know, going up against that Dallas defensive line, but uh, came at a cost. Like you said, losing Lane Johnson, uh, they've already essentially ruled him out of the final two regular season games, dealing with a, a tear uh, in his abdomen. So that yeah. is certainly scary. Uh, if you're Philly, I think that just kind of increases the urgency to, to, to get that one, get the bye. Hopefully he's back uh, for the divisional round, but yeah, not going to see Lane Johnson uh, the rest of the regular season. Um, on the Dallas side, you know, pretty solid day for, for CD lamb, 10 for one twenty, and the two touchdowns. He looked great. Uh, Tony Pollard didn't get really anything going on the ground, but six catches for 61, uh, yeah. Zeke, just a, just a vintage Ezekiel Elliott line, 16 for 55, one touchdown. That that's the Allen yep. special. 
Yep, that's <laughs> nice. I like that. I like that. Only one target in the passing game, too. So he's just not involved there. When you got Pollard, why would you have Zeke in there on passing downs? Makes sense. Uh, yep. Good win for the Cowboys. They go home happy on Christmas Eve. And, you know, we'll see what they how much they play it out. Uh, this week, you know, we mentioned the Eagles are at home against the Saints. Cowboys, uh, they're on the Thursday night game at Tennessee. So quick, quick turnaround them for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, again, a kind of a weird game where, uh, I believe so. Has Philly clinched the number one seed? They have not, right? No, they, they lose. Need, they, no, because they're only one game ahead of the Vikes right now. Right, exactly. And yeah, so yeah, they, they could lose out and, and be in danger there. So yeah, Philly needs to keep pushing. I mean, like you said, Dallas almost certainly locked into that five. So they, I, I, again, I don't see them resting starters here, but you know, maybe you take your foot off the gas and that's just going to be a weird matchup because yeah. as we laid out earlier, I mean, Tennessee's entire season, comes down to week 18 as well so we could see some uh some minor hijinks in that dallas tennessee game yeah i think and philly takes care of business against the saints this week we'll see if we get hurts back or not i think they saw enough out of Minshew to know that they could play him and oh, yeah. know that and, and you know they may want to just, in fact you're down your right tackle and you've got a quarterback nursing a bad shoulder i don't think you want him taking hits i don't think you want him running the ball i, I would rest him another week and that's selfishly yeah. that sucks because that means I can't use them in the NFSC in the final final week of the, the playoffs there. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, okay, Raiders, Steelers, uh, just next, next, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not, not much to say there. <laughs> I got nothing, man. This game was so so ugly, and I mean, it felt like Pittsburgh had no business winning this game. I mean, they scored ten points in the fourth quarter, just kind of just a slow bleed out by the Raiders. Um, I. I Somehow watch this entire game, you know, much to the, the chagrin oh, of my family. Thank you for doing but, it. Not all heroes wear capes, uh, man. Yeah. Thank seriously. You. Yeah. Some, some heroes wear Christmas sweaters, uh, which <laughs> I think is what I had on, on, on Saturday night, but man, this was just a, a brutal, brutal Derek Carr game. A, another big time. I mean, if you started Devonte Adams, you felt great about it, right? Two for 15 on it's nine like targets for Devonte time Adams. this year. That's happened too. fifth time that he's had fewer than four catches in a game. I mean, yeah, it was that type of game. I mean, four combined picks for Carr and Pickett. They were just kind of trading interceptions at one point. Um, just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Josh Jacobs after the game basically sounded like he never wanted to play for the Raiders again. That, that's all. That's great. Yeah. Um, this is this is the year that it's been for, for Las Vegas. Really not much else to say. Uh, I guess George Pickens looked good yeah. for, for the Steelers. There's that. Najee Harris jumped over a guy at one point. Yay. That was cool. That was very cool. Yep. And I was, I was actually in the car at that point, listening to the, the Steelers broadcast and, and like, well, if you go low, I don't know how you tackle him. If you go low in the open field, he'll jump over. If he goes high, he'll try. You go high, you go high, he'll push you over. He ended up with 3.3 yards per carry, yeah. despite that one play where he, his long was 14. So I don't know how you're going to tackle him, but untackleable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just unstoppable. When you think of unstoppable running backs, number one on that list, Najee Harris. Uh, Steelers are still alive. Uh, they face the Ravens. They got flexed to uh, Sunday night. Yay. Um, but so Kenny Pickett and Tyler Huntley on national TV. I don't know if Lamar plays by the way. Um, the fact that he didn't practice at all this past week, I know they were talking last week. Oh yeah. He's probably going to come back. He didn't practice at all. I, I, I I think there's a, there's not a guarantee at all. And I think there, I would, if I were, I think there's a better than 50% chance it's uh, Huntley again, which ugh, this is an ugly game coming up again. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, now we get to see it yeah. again. Lucky us. Um, yeah, I, think, I think you're right about that. And like, why, 
of all the games to flex, you know, I mean, I, I get that this game does have meaning. Uh, you know, the Ravens have clinched already. So I think that also lends the argument. Uh, why do you push Lamar to come back? I know the Steelers are, are technically still alive, but how about Jets Seahawks? You know, how, how about Panthers Bucks? How about Packers Vikings? Like uh, Dolphins Patriots. Even. Like, Nobody there, there needs options. to see the Bucks in another standalone game. We've seen enough of the Bucks. No, I, that is, yeah, that is a very fair counterpoint, but at least just in terms of meaningful games, like I, I care more yeah. about the result of that game. Uh, maybe yeah. I don't want to watch it, but I, you know, it's more interesting to me. I think Vikings Packers would have been ideal. Uh, but maybe, maybe CBS it's Vikings Packers is on CBS, right? I don't think that was an option. Yeah. That's weird. Cause and, and no, noteworthy. Cause usually that's a Fox game, obviously. Exactly. Um, so it must, it must be where they, they planted their stake and said, we we're choosing this game. So that's not among the games they had to choose from. Um, okay. Enough about that game. Let's talk. Let's finish off the two Sunday games here. The Hackett bowl uh, Rams and the, uh, the Broncos. This game was over like that. Uh, the best part was having to listen to Nan, see Nance and Tony Romo have to cover this game and the angles that they were taking. Uh, I tweeted out something about and nothing says Christmas quite like Jim Nance doing a read for uh, Puss in Boots 2, Electric Boogaloo, but uh, just awful, awful no show by the Broncos. I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but they won last week, you know, like, yay. Yeah. And Russell Wilson comes back and he was so bad, Nick. Oh, boy. So bad. I, I, I should probably be fired for taking the Broncos minus two and a half this week. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was on an island for that one, which occasionally has actually worked out for me. I'd like to see my, my record in island games. I think I'm actually hanging in there. But, man, this was – I mean, it's one thing for the Broncos to lose. Like, I'm not, I'm not shocked by that. But in terms of, like, the pure results of this game, I am yeah. shocked that the Broncos defense gave up 51 points to Baker Mayfield. I mean, what in the hell? 51 to 14. And honestly, it could have been worse. It truly could have been worse. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson, disaster. Uh, you know, I, I, I foolishly bought into the narrative that he actually did string together some decent possessions before getting hurt with a concussion. Yeah. Thought maybe he could pick up where he left off. This is a bad Rams team. Nope. I mean, just a, a no show all around. Uh, really, the only saving grace for, for Denver is, is Jerry Judy looking good in this game. Six for 117. Cortland Sutton was back five for 64. Uh, but I mean, Wilson was disastrous. This is now the new low point in what's been a, a year of low points for Denver. And unsurprisingly, Jeff, we, we woke up this morning and Nathaniel Hackett officially out in Denver. Yeah. And, you know, he might be a nice person, but <laughs> and, and you want to feel bad for anybody that got fired the day after Christmas. Uh, but mm. the celebratory tweets I saw on Twitter, like the whole like football universe was celebrating uh, him getting fired. I was almost kind of like, I mean, maybe he, Maybe he's just in over his head and he's not a jerk. I don't know. Um, maybe he is a jerk. I don't. Yeah, that, that's possible too. But uh, it, it's just, it was it's kind of funny. But like everybody's like, "What took so long? Yay!" and all that. You know, it's funny. What if Russ is really that just this bad though? What if it's Russell's fault, not Hackett's fault? That is a distinct possibility. But I think if you're Denver. You know, this is how it works, right? I mean, yeah. the, the coach is kind of the first tree to fall. And look, if they look like this next year with somebody else at the helm, that's when you start to talk about the Wilson question. And look, I, I think mm -hmm. there's going to be trade situations that are brought up. Is there a team that's willing to take on that money? I don't think so. But we've also seen teams give up real draft assets to acquire Carson Wentz and pay him money yeah. over the last couple of years. So stranger things have happened. There's, there's always somebody out there who thinks, you know, I could be the solution. We could fix him. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if, if, you know, that the Russell Wilson trade machine 
uh, is a big narrative throughout this offseason. But man, I mean, this is just so disastrous for Denver. I, 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 I was so wrong on the Broncos. I really, really thought they would be a Super Bowl contender. I thought Russell Wilson had plenty left. I, I, I took his side in the uh, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson feud, and I, I look like a moron. I mean, he looks awful, awful. Yeah, awful, awful, awful. I, I, I'm right there with you. And remember when we were in Vegas uh, for a Circa weekend there uh, where we were doing a couple of XM shows from Circa, and then we did a bunch of Beeson hits. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I said – Broncos have a chance of winning the division and I'm taking the over on their wins. Uh, I was hideous. I was very right on fading the bucks and very, very hideously wrong on talking up the Broncos. I also faded the Raiders. I was one for two in the AFC West, but, uh, Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. So bad. Um, teams do really crazy things when it comes to trying to find secure their franchise quarterback. I, and it just, it must be really hard the teams are just losing their minds with these trades. You know, the Colts with their trade to, to get Wentz, the fact that they were able to still net picks getting Wentz, you know, trading away Wentz yep. afterwards when it didn't work out. I mean, it's just, it really, it must be really hard to identify and be able to find uh, that, get that franchise quarterback. Well, it's the, it's not only the trade itself, which you're giving up a ton of assets. And I think this in a lot of ways mirrors what we see in Cleveland, but it's the contract oh, yes. that you're handing yes. out on top of that. So it's like, it's, you know, the trade can look bad and you could say, man, we, we shouldn't have given up those assets. That sucks. We're handing them a top five pick. That's not even the worst of your concerns. I mean, it's the contract getting out of that. I mean, making your bed and, and, you know, just tying yourself to that player who has not been in your building uh, is just crazy to me. And I, I think we're going to see a pushback on that. I really do. I, I don't think, I think the Watson thing, you know, when that happened, a lot of teams, you know, kind of looked around and said, that's insane, but Hey, you know, it's Deshaun Watson. If you got a chance to get him, you got to do it. I, you know, with, with the way that that's going and the way that this Russell Wilson situation has worked out, um, I, I get that there's only so many elite guys and you got to do what you could do when they're available. But I think we're going to see teams be a little more cautious. I don't, I don't know how you can't be. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to see so many teams changing quarterbacks again this off season though, too. Uh, yeah. You know, it was funny because there's so much focus on these alpha wide receivers getting dealt and justifiably because that, it, that doesn't usually happen. We're going to see like all this transition at quarterback. I, I think one lesson is don't get rid of elite co- uh, wide receivers. I'm, I mean, I guess the chiefs are doing fine, but I mean, the Titans, the, the GM got fired for doing that uh, for crying out loud. And yep. you know, the dolphins for the longest time, it was working because they traded for Tyreek Hill because the, the, the Eagles traded for AJ Brown. That was, that was considered a big thing. You know, but then I guess you look at the Raiders and they're ignoring Devontae Adams and things like that. It goes the Raiders. It goes back to that Thursday night game against the Rams. They're beating them they're like, oh, they can't score two touchdowns against us. We're just going to run the ball. I love that hubris getting uh, punished like that there and all these other teams. But the, I mean, the Broncos, I mean, they totally look like a team that said, oh, we got to play on Christmas Day on the road. This sucks. Screw this. Oh, 100 um, percent. I mean, yeah. Baker I, Mayfield. I, go ahead. Oh, no, you please. Talk about Baker Mayfield, 24 for 28, didn't get touched, didn't get sacked once. Yeah. Uh, what happened? I mean, this this defense just didn't show up. Meanwhile, six sacks by the 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 uh, uh, the, the Broncos quarterbacks got sacked six times and four interceptions. I mean, just ugly, ugly, ugly game. Piling on here, I know. Well, I mean, there's not enough you could say about how bad this was. And look, the yeah. Rams are not the type of team that should be capable of putting up 51 points on anybody let alone mm-hmm. the Broncos. I mean, that's, it's one thing for Wilson and Ripon to be disastrous. I mean, that's not that surprising based on how they've looked this year, but yeah, the defense, maybe it's, maybe it just feels like you know, it's kind of been a, a bend, but not break uh, just like mentally for this defense all year. 
maybe they finally just broke down, you know, cause they, they've been yeah. so good. And it's like, look, it's not amounting to anything. Like, you know, look, it doesn't matter if we hold the opponent to 13 points or we hold them to 51 points. We're not winning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of uh, craptacular, let's talk a little bit about the night game here. Uh, this was horrible game. Ugh. Just a the terrible Bucks can't game. Keep doing this. How do the bucks keep doing this? Yeah. Uh, we're going to get stuck seeing them in the playoffs. Nobody wants to see them. Not a single per, except for betters that want to bet against them in the first round. Like, if it if the Cowboys go to Tampa, I'm going to be so over the Cowboys. I mean, I mean, I may be so on the Cowboys. I should say, yeah. The, the Tampa can't throw the ball deep at all. They don't even try. And anytime they do try to throw it downfield, they get burned. Other teams yet stupidly fall for it. Still, they they still like get burned in the two minute drill. Brady made one downfield throw that that and. That fake to the fake to uh, what's his name uh, to gauge. And then when, you know, and then you know, drew the corner, the corner in, and then he threw it deep, a little bit deeper. That's the one downfield throw he connected on all, all game long. It was, it was painful watching Brady. Obviously Arizona starting a third string quarterback. So you don't expect much from them, but this bucks offense, they lost, I think two left tackles in this game. I mean, it was just horrible, horrible offense. Yeah. It's a game they should have lost uh, really really bad fumble by Arizona late in this game that yep. gifted gifted Tampa, you know, kind of its last chance. And of course the bucks capitalized on that. I mean, I think this is now the third time this year or third time really in the last like six weeks that they've played this exact same game. Yep. We saw it against the saints a few weeks ago. We saw it against the Rams a couple months ago. Uh, if, if you give them enough chances, eventually uh, you know, Tom Brady does seem to turn it on like with under a minute left, he can magically lead a team down the field, but this was really gross by by the bucks before that i mean there was a point where um where was it i think the it was kind of it was right before the fumble uh you know, arizona scored a touchdown a uh, pretty nice drive by trace mcsorley who you know made some throws um you know they, they they made this a 16 to 6 game with about 10 minutes left and at that point you thought there's no way the bucks are are, are getting two scores here but inevitably they, they got it done and again that that fumble that came on a third and one at the tampa 40 that really is what did it in for, for Arizona because I got the sense that Arizona, even if they didn't pick up that that third down, they were probably going to go for it on fourth. And honestly, I like their chances to get one of those. And if, if they converted that, the game essentially would have been over. And instead, you know, not only do you fumble, but you give Tampa the ball at, at midfield. You just give the ball to Connor twice there. Yep. That's fine. Instead, they, they do this a weird pitch. pitch play to Keontae Ingram. It was a bad pitch. It hit him in the helmet. It was like one of those weird things. In fact, McSorley got credit for the fumble, uh, which is interesting, yeah. but not Ingram. But just, oh, so dumb. And, you know, Kingsbury's like, we had the play. It was dialed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, way to justify yourself there, bud. Uh, yeah, and, and who cares about Arizona? They're 4-11 now. I mean, they're 1-8 and, and at home, 1-6 and six at home, I think. But they, they can't win at home. It's weird to see that. Uh, that and they just find ways to lose. Kingsbury is probably going to be fired. There's already three coaches fired. I think Kingsbury has got to be fired this off season too. Right. I think he's the top candidate. Yeah. I yeah. uh, you know, The only thing I think that would cause Arizona some pause is the, the contract situation with, with Kingsbury, but if they're okay swallowing that, then absolutely. I think he meets all the other criteria. I mean, it's either got to be him or Kyler. It's got to be yeah. one of the two. And I Kyler's not going to be ready for the start Kyler. of the season probably also. So that's going to be weird. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. Um, Fournette, by the way, tweeted out and then deleted a tweet saying he's dealing with plantar fasciitis in his foot. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's make it Rashad white season. I, I, when Fournette had a big play in this game, 
had a really good run, a 23-yard run, and he had a lot of catches, nine for 90. But I I wouldn't mind seeing some more Rashad White anyhow. White got that touchdown. Uh, He he looks promising at least. But you can't when you can't go more than eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage on any given play. You keep throwing that same screen play or a quick out, and that's all you have. Teams are going to find a way to stop it. Good teams can stop that there. Yeah, I, I have no real optimism. You know, I, we're getting to the end of the fantasy season. You know, mercifully, if you're if you've been rostering these these Buccaneers, but uh, you know, big game next week against Carolina. Not exactly mm-hmm. a, a great spot for for that offense and that running game. Uh, they do finish out with Atlanta in Week 18. I mean, we, we could cross that bridge when we get there as far as you know DFS and things like that. But I, I'm just glad that like I'm finally. Like the, I had one team that was fairly important to me that I, you know, I had Brady Godwin Evans stack. Oh. I'm just, I'm just glad to be done with that. I, I, just, I never, I'm never, <laughs> ever, ever doing killing. that again. It was awful. It was awful. Oh my goodness, Mike yeah. Evans, three for twenty nine. How, how about DeAndre was, Hopkins? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. I didn't have any Hopkins this year. One, one catch on ten targets. That's amazing. Yeah. That is really amazing. One catch for four yards for Hopkins. But um, yeah, Mike Evans, man, what a bust. I mean, he hasn't scored since what we really early, like week four yeah. or five, I want to say. Yeah. for I mean, for a while he was kind of maintaining, you know, just kind of keeping his head above water just by virtue of racking up yards. And he was like top, you know, kind of borderline top 20 in PPR. But yeah, it's been awful, man. I mean, three touchdowns on the year and the most recent one came week four against KC. Yeah, Kate, yeah, that, that was a wild game, actually, too. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, he was targeted, I think, on one of the, one, if not both, the interceptions. And on the there's one where Brady made a terrible throw, the other where Brady made a terrible throw and Evans turned the wrong way. I'm not sure yep. who was fully to blame on that, but they just could not connect. So that's our, that, that's our last game to talk about. Um, any other thoughts, parting thoughts for Week 16 before we move on? Not too much. I mean, we, we still got Chargers Colts tonight. Very much looking forward to that. Um, you know, if, if you're here on this pod, make sure you check us out on Sirius XM. We'll be on during the first half of that game. We'll be on uh, all week, of course, in our, our 7 to 9 central time slot. And yeah, looking forward to week 17, especially looking forward to week 18, Jeff. Like, like I've said a number of times, I, at no point did I think that the Jags would be playing a win and you're in situation. Exciting. In week 18. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy for you on that, for sure. I think Thank that it, it's, it's great to see a team come alive. It's great to see your quarterback yes. come up, become aware. Um, it, it's super fun to see that happen, so I'm happy for you. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, tune in to SiriusXM Fantasy tonight. We'll do Chargers Colts, and we'll do more reacts and all that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for the entirety of this podcast. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.